This is the Insurance Law Podcast, brought to you by Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys. Welcome to the Insurance Law Podcast, the broadcast about timely and important legal issues affecting the insurance industry. I'm John Zuba, Managing Editor of Best Recommended Insurance Attorneys. We're pleased to have with us today attorneys Matthew Berkowitz and Brian O'Shea from the law firm Carmeloni in Washington, D.C. Matthew Berkowitz is a member of the firm with significant class action experience, regularly representing national, regional, local corporations, employers, retailers, manufacturers, automobile dealerships, credit reporting agencies, financial institutions, debt collection agencies, law firms, and among others, in class action and federal and state laws. With the help of Associate Brian O'Shea, Carmeloni PC has successfully defended class action lawsuits involving mass torts, products liability, defective design and warranty claims, cybersecurity and data breach, and consumer protection claims. And gentlemen, we're very pleased to have you both with us this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. Matt, we'll start our questions with you today. Can you please talk about the growth of class action lawsuits involving data breaches? Sure, absolutely. Uh, this is an area where uh, class action uh, where breaches and data breaches uh, have exponentially increased over the last few years. Um, you know, recent statistics show that only 37% of businesses actually track and control the sensitive data uh, that they have. And as a result, that's part of the re- main reason why data breaches have increased so much. Uh, for example, in 2014, 2015, uh, there was an increase in data breaches by almost 40%. And then in 2018 alone, the United States had uh, 1.244 million recorded data breaches with over 446 million records exposed. And the scary thing about this is, uh, with all these records exposed, 80% of the companies that were bre- were hacked or that had the breach, it took them at least a week to discover that there was a breach. And this becomes significantly dangerous because during that week uh, time, uh, certainly if it happened, you know, if it was discovered within 24 hours, they could have pulled information back. They could have put uh, remedial measures in place. But because it took so long to discover, by then the information has gone and the hacker perhaps is using someone's credit card information or gaining financial access or changing or stealing a person's identity. Uh, and currently, there's no comprehensive federal law, but uh, federal law to, to guard against that companies need to abide by is in the works. And I'll just add on to what Matt was saying. Um, Data breaches and data breach class actions are becoming more and more newsworthy. Hardly a a week or a month goes by without us hearing about a uh, a significant data breach. Just for example, companies like Equifax, Target, Yahoo, and Facebook have all recently faced significant data breaches and data breach class action litigation just in in, in recent months. So uh, these class actions are becoming more and more newsworthy and and a greater part of the uh, class action environment. Thank you, Brian. We'll we'll continue a little bit with you. These are all large and national and international companies that you've mentioned. But what about smaller or medium-sized businesses? Do they also have to be worried? Absolutely, they need to be worried. Any company that keeps customer data on a computer needs to be concerned about data breaches and potential litigation arising out of these data breaches. Uh, These companies could be law firms, doctor's offices, mom-and-pop retailers as well. 
And often these smaller to medium-sized companies don't have the resources to protect themselves from a data breach, like a, you know, a company like Target or Facebook might have. They don't have the expertise and they're not as tech savvy. So that can uh, potentially create even greater problems for them. And Matt, what are some of the hot or topical issues in data breach class actions now? Sure. That's a really good question. You know, there's three areas in class actions involving data breaches specifically that uh, often arises as far as legal issues that the parties often fight over. There are uh, standing issues, uh, something known as ascertainability and and predominancy. And uh, Brian and I will just talk about them uh, very briefly. The first one is standing, that uh, in order to bring a class action lawsuit, the lead plaintiff needs to have standing. Um, and that means the uh, Supreme Court recently in uh, Spokio uh, reaffirmed that the lead plaintiff needs to suffer a concrete and particularized harm. There needs to be a tangible harm to the plaintiff uh, himself or herself. Uh, a lot of times you can bring these class actions based upon a data breach, and a lot of the uh, class members, their harm or the injury that they've suffered is merely just fear that their data was exposed, that, and they're claiming perhaps a plaintiff might be claiming that someday, you know, some, my data was taken today, but sometime in the future somebody might use my identity. And the majority of jurisdictions say that's not enough. It's kind of like the idea that if the tree falls in a forest but nobody hears, does it make a sound? It's kind of that analogous. Um, some courts have ruled that's enough. The mere fear that your data was taken uh, is enough to give a plaintiff standing, but the majority of jurisdictions say the fear itself is not enough. And so often defendants can get out of those lawsuits by arguing that the plaintiff lacks a concrete injury uh, uh, enough to uh, to give that lead plaintiff standing to, to represent an entire class. And then Brian, I think, is going to talk about ascertainability. Yes, ascertainability is another uh, potential defense that's often used. And all ascertainability is, is uh, determining who is a member of the class and who is not a member of the class. And generally, for a class to be ascertainable, there needs to be the class needs to be formed from objective criteria, and this is usually done by looking at the uh, company's records, who's the defendant in the lawsuit. Um, with data breaches, this ascertainability becomes especially complex because we could be talking about potentially thousands, tens of thousands, or even millions of potential class plaintiffs. Additionally. With data breaches, it can be very hard to identify whose data was actually breached. This can take a significant amount of time, and it's possible that a clear answer might never be be reached. So it can be very difficult in the uh, in the data breach space to determine who is actually a member of the class, who is not, and this is why this is uh, such a common issue and defense that comes up in these cases. Amen. Kind of. Dovetailing off that is to the predominancy, and this predominancy issue uh, comes right out of Rule 23, which governs class actions. And Rule 23B talks about common questions must predominate over individual questions. And often in class actions, uh, there may be some individual 
individual individual questions that are, vary from class member to class member, but the idea is that there needs to be commonality. The common common questions must predominate. And in a data breach, you may have kind of what Brian was talking about and what I was talking about earlier, especially with respect to, to damages, that there are a lot of different questions about individual harms, for example. Uh, a lot of questions of whether, uh, it, you know, we have a data breach, but who, you start asking questions of whose information was exposed. Of those people whose information was exposed or breached, how many of those people are just based on fear or are suffering damages based on fear alone? How many of those people uh, had actual damages themselves other than fear. And it leads to what's called individual inquiries. And when you have these individual inquiries, whether it may be, for example, economic harm, and you start asking, what is the harm? And each person's harm is different. And once you get into a place of each harm is different, um, you start resulting in essentially mini trials. And you start having to have a trial on everybody's damages or everybody's individual questions. And it's these mini-trials that class actions seek to avoid. That The idea is to do for a class-wide resolution, um, you want to be able to handle this case in one fell swoop. Now, courts, on the other hand, often will, uh, for purposes of liability, can do, run it as a class action, but then will bifurcate and have individual cases uh, in terms of uh, damages. So those are coming to the three hot topics in the class action arena when the, the underlying matter involves a data breach. So, Matt, what can companies do to guard against data breaches and protect their businesses from significant exposure? I think there's a lot of things companies not only can do, but they should be doing no matter how big their size. Uh, And the first thing, and Brian talked about a little bit about the resources that, yes, the smaller businesses, the mid-sized businesses, they may not be as tech-savvy, but every business that holds sensitive data should hire an IT consultant or an in-house expert to help guide them. Um, and it's important in doing that, that person that you hire or retain can help identify the, the sensitive data. I mean, that's it. And what, what procedures and policies you need to put in place to protect that data. And the first step is identify what data is it that you have that is, is sensitive. Uh, do you have, are you a doctor's office, um, th- you know, that has, uh, you know, medical information that's going to be sensitive, a law firm that has attorney-client privileged information, uh, a business that has uh, credit card records, Um, what data do you have? Where is that data stored? And who has access to that data? Just because you have access to the data doesn't mean that everybody in the company needs to have access to it. Um, And that kind of gets to the next thing of making sure that there's proper training, policies, and procedures that, that employees are aware of the data, and you can go through that, especially with having security measures, and that leads to, you know, training about passwords, that passwords should constantly be changed, you know, every 30, 60, 90 days, at most 90 days, um, and that employees should be trained not to use common passwords. Um, also should be uh, trained about, you know, a lot of big things, hacks today occur through phishing emails, where it looks like it's an email intended, um, there should be employees should be trained how to respond and react to that if they're not sure if the email is intended for them. Uh, in addition, talking about physical lockup of, of, of security, if there may be their laptops, uh, firewalls, who has access, uh, limited access to certain employees, separate networks, keeping, keeping
keeping the server locked up, having the server uh, located at a third-party vendor, uh, a lot of different things that just little things that I've just mentioned in a few minutes with the help of an IT consultant or an in-house expert could protect um, the company from a data breach as well as liability and significant exposure. And the other thing, in the event there is exposure, I think the one of the best pieces of advice for a business is to make sure that they have a cybersecurity policy in place, uh, especially for smaller businesses. A lot of them, you know, they'll get a CGL policy uh, or just think their standard policy is going to cover a data breach. Often they don't. And it's important for businesses to contact their broker uh, and ask about a specific policy with respect to data breaches. And I'll just make one last point based on what Matt said. Um, just like companies take seriously the possibility of someone physically breaking in and taking files out of a file cabinet or medical records out of a doctor's office, the data breaches are essentially the same thing, and, and they should uh, take it just as seriously, even though the breach itself happens in cyberspace and is not actually a physical break-in. Break Gentlemen, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Matthew Berkowitz and Brian O'Shea from the Carmeloni Law Firm in Washington, D.C. And special thanks to today's producer, Frank Vowinkle. And thank you all for joining us for the Insurance Law Podcast. To subscribe to this audio program, go to our webpage, www.ambest.com slash claims resource. If you have any suggestions for a future topic regarding an insurance law case or issue, please email us at lawpodcast at ambest.com. I'm John Zuba. And now this message. Best Insurance Professionals and Claims Resource is the top website for locating qualified professionals and need-to-know insurance information for the claims market. Brought to you by AMBest, the world leader in insurance industry information. Visit ambest.com slash claims resource.